and welcome to Saturday Night Hive. We are here to talk about the Kieran Culkin, Ed Flop Sheeran episode of SNL. And as always, I am here with Hibba Murray. Hello, Hibba. Hi, Candice. So I first want to start off with a statistic that proves that SNL is pushing the needle forward on feminism. I did a little counting, and apparently... Of the hosts that have been announced so far the, for this season, Kim Kardashian West has been the only female host so far. Wow. Fascinating, right? I'm sorry. Is that supposed to be pushing the needle on feminism in the opposite direction? Exactly. That was the twist. I Michael Chade you. This is the mm. twist. I just, I don't know why I never noticed it, but that's true. KKW has been the only female host. And unfortunately, that did not change with this episode, which to me... A bit of a disappointment, but let's start from the baseline. So to me, I was like, all right, if you want a host who's really down for anything, who's kind of weird and kooky and like small, Kieran Culkin is very much your person. Mm -hmm. And my inside hope is that Kieran really got here because Nicholas Braun appeared on What's Up With That and like at the after party. He sat next to Lauren Michaels and was like, hey, so like my coworker from like Succession, like really loves the show. He'd be like really good for this. I'd really love for him to come through. And that is how Kieran Culkin ended up here. But let's start at the top. Cold open. I have to say, first off, congrats to two people. Alex Moffat, James Austin Johnson, they are two cast members who have been in every single cold open this season. Mm-hmm. And I want to start here. What did you think about the cold open? Yeah, I was going to say shout out to them as well. Um, it seems like they have cemented their roles in whenever there's an American political satire scene. So that's great. I did notice the absence of Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think due to like the terrible tragedy that happened on the set of his new movie. Um, so yeah, I wonder about that and about if that's going to be like a permanent thing. And yeah, I feel like it also just must be weird for SNL to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I mean, I was so scared that Alec Baldwin was going to appear on my television screen as Trump. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because James Austin Johnson, one of his most viral impressions pre-SNL was of Trump. And I actually mm-hmm. am really happy that they finally put that into use because I think his Trump impression is so much better than Alec Baldwin's. My only critique is that like he makes Trump look younger and like less disgusting, yeah. which I don't love. But what did you think about Cecily coming back as Janine Pirro? Yeah, I actually really love her Janine Pirro impression. I think it's one of the more accurate impressions. I mean, she's a great impressionist, but I think it's one of the ones where like all of her mannerisms match really well. And like if you like, for example, if I had it on in the background and I didn't know if it was the real show or if it was an SNL skit, if I wasn't paying very close attention, I feel like it was realistic enough and she just says ridiculous enough things that they're interchangeable. Mm-hmm, 100%. I actually prefer Cecily's Janine over the real Janine. But I also wanted to talk about another veteran who has not shown up for work in a few weeks, and that is Kate McKinnon. The thing is, Kate McKinnon 
is a fascinating character to look at because, frankly, if she was here, she would be in the cold open so much more. She'd be playing Fauci. Yeah. She'd be playing all the male politicians. And the thing is, one benefit of her being gone is that James Austin Johnson is playing all those characters. And that's great. And James Austin Johnson has just kind of started his run so strongly that I kind of feel like he is the Kristen Wiig of this era. Like people, when they talk about Kristen Wiig joining us now, they were like, she got it from the first day. She just knew what the show was. And I feel the same about him. Yeah, I was going to bring up um, Kate McKinnon also because I feel like she hasn't been in any of the episodes. So why didn't she just make last season like her last season at SNL? I imagine she's working on some project and then is going to come back like next year or later in the season. But I was just kind of confused about that. Mm-hmm. The rumor is she is in Australia filming the Tiger King movie. LOL slash show. We don't know. Oh, yet. Yeah, yeah. But okay. I don't know. The thing is. As the mid-season comes up after the Christmas show, the question will be, like, are some people going to take that mid-season as an exit? Are some people going to stay? All these things. But I think it's a good time to go into some sketches. Uh, I want to say that for me, I actually kind of liked the Spectrum sketch just because Bowen as the Spectrum floating head made me laugh out loud so hard. And he was very good in it, but you were telling me that you really liked the car heist sketch. Yeah, I would say my favorite part of the um, canceling cable sketch was definitely Bowen. I just felt like all the other jokes in it were a little overplayed. Like anybody who's ever tried to cancel or transfer their internet knows that that's that it's a terrible and like very drawn out experience. So I was like looking for them to go one step further with the comedy which I think they did in the end but after like five minutes of like transfers but yeah I really enjoyed the car heist sketch I think because this is a sketch where you can understand the premise of it in one sentence like you could imagine them sitting there in the writer's room and being like okay what if we have got like this crew of people who are criminals and like want to run a car heist and they're all like very professional at their job, except the getaway driver doesn't know how to drive a stick. Like, like it's just you can capture the essence of the whole sketch in one sentence and you can like imagine all the world building that happened that we saw. Um, so I love that because I like to sometimes I feel like it's really difficult to distill a sketch down into what it's supposed to be. Or sometimes I feel like it's hard because they've got like too many things going on. Um, but the car house one was so simple and so funny um and I felt like everybody kind of had a good starring role in it like it wasn't like one person was taking up too much space um so I enjoyed that one Mm -hmm. I think what this sketch illuminated for me is kind of Kieran's perspective on this SNL thing so Mm. my hot take on Kieran is that he is a very good actor like I really do like him in succession however before succession I didn't really know him for anything yeah He was kind of just this character actor, which I actually feel like is a pretty accurate description of what hosting SNL is like. You're kind of just a temporary guest star. People are looking at you, but it's really your choice whether or not you want to steal the scene or help someone on the main cast steal the scene. An example would be Angelo and Rami Malek. Mm -hmm. But 
Kieran's strength is that he's a very good scene partner, and he would be really good at improv, but I kind of also feel like this entire episode, he never stole the scene, and I wonder if it's because he was scared. Like, I wonder if he didn't want to take risks, wanted to play it safe, and wasn't exactly sure, like, how to bring out his best while being a little zany, and that's where he disappointed me just a little bit yeah i'll say so i came into the episode with a very clean slate because i haven't seen succession yet it is on my list of things to watch um but i didn't really know anything about kieran besides the fact that he's mccullough's brother um which he talked about in the monologue which i think a lot of people still understand that that's his claim to fame because they're like oh this guy looks like somebody that i know and then when they put two and two together they're like oh okay got it my criteria consistently for how well the host does has been how game are they to just kind of go for it, right? And in the monologue, I was excited because it seemed like he was game and he was excited, but then he really kind of failed to show his personality throughout any of the sketches. Like, I don't think I really learned anything about him and none of them were too memorable. I do agree with you that he's a great scene partner. I'm sure he has some sort of like background in theater or background in improv like he did great really supporting a lot of the sketches but the fact that he wasn't like a main main character in most of them is it's like that's your whole job like you're the host right like it's kind of like the opposite of Jason Sudeikis where Jason Sudeikis showed up and played a main character in every single sketch um even where he was supporting he was like still memorable in yeah, to be honest, they could have swapped Kieran out for like someone else and I wouldn't have noticed, which is not great. I'm sure he was nervous and like all of that stuff too, but I feel like this episode fell a little bit short on his part. Mm-hmm, yeah, and I feel like the other weakness of Kieran Culkin is that we know nothing about him. He's very mm-hmm. like averse to the celebrity side of it and the only thing we know about him is that he is Macaulay's brother. But that is the shadow he has tried to get out of his entire life. I mean, when Mm -hmm. you really think about his monologue, he was basically saying, I was only here because of my brother, and today I'm here because of me, but do you guys really care? And the question is, like, how does a non-celebrity you know nothing about, like, how do they pique your interest on SNL? And I think back to, like, Reggae Jean Page. We knew nothing about that kid except for he was on Bridgerton, but yeah. he killed it because he recognizes good writing. He is so, so game. And he was so young, too. Eh, he's like 30. But he was like young <laughs> and he was hip and he was in the know. Whereas Kieran gives me like very strong, does not read anything but the New York Times world business section. And that's fine. Yeah. I feel like also it might just be the trajectory of the season and kind of where he landed, right? So if he had been in the earlier episodes before super, super famous people like Kim K, um, maybe that would have changed how I felt about how he did. But I just felt like we had some episodes with like people that were like big stars or like even like Jason Sudeikis, maybe not a huge star in the outside world, but like to come home to SNL as alumni, you are a big star, right? And so, yeah, I just feel like maybe Kieran isn't quite famous enough or like, um embracing like the I'm gonna show you my personality side of celebrity enough for him to really have like a strong voice like I do feel like having even if you're not a comedian right I feel like when you host SNL the whole idea of like having different hosts every week is to bring a different flavor to each episode 
Um, so you have to bring something to it. And I just feel like whatever he thought he brought, like, didn't mm, really true. work out. But I think people who really did bring a good dose of spice into this episode were like the cast members. And a very mm. good example of this is the Dion Warwick talk show. I mean, let's just talk about it. I love Ego, period. And I've been watching Love Life season two and she's in an episode and she's so good in it. And mm. so for her to come back and do this and for the real Dion Warwick to come on it's legendary and like you kind of tell that this has been in the like plans for a few weeks maybe even months but it was so cute and I guess my only point on this is that Ego seemed very nervous to sing in front of Dionne Warwick which I Mm -hmm. totally understand yeah I would say this is probably my favorite sketch um I thought that they were gonna have Dionne come on in one of the episodes in the previous season because they did her talk show a few times and she tweeted at them and was like hey nbc like get in touch with me um so i think probably the only reason they hadn't done it yet was because of covid and like you know she's on the older side and like all of that stuff like health precautions um but yeah i i do feel like we've said this before this season but ego is really like i don't know if she's a rising star anymore at this point like she is a star like she is like one of the main feature players um and she just brings so much originality and like like to have a series of sketches where you are the main character it's like okay she's like really making her mark um i love when they have like some like white guy rapper come on and she's like afraid of them so um yeah, she said, so in this one, um, she said, oh, yeah, I've learned that Machine Gun Kelly is, like, too scary for me. She brings out Post Malone instead, also, of course, played by Pete Davidson, who mm-hmm. formerly played Machine Gun Kelly. And then immediately, immediately after he sits down in, like, the hours of makeup and costume that it must have taken them to put him in, she's like, nope, too scary, please leave. Mm-hmm. Um So those kind of things I love, and I think it just shows the commitment to comedy when they spend so much time doing costume for that person to be on stage for, like, two seconds. But it really, like, it it was impactful, right? Like, it delivered um, the punchline. I do agree with you, though, at the very end where they were singing together. I I thought they were going to go into, like, a whole song, but I think they just sang, like, one or two lines, and then that was Mm -hmm. the end of the sketch. Um, So, yeah, I imagine part of it was, like, time concerns, but also part of it was just, like... Like, to sing in front of the Dionne Warwick is a lot. Um, But yeah, nonetheless, Echo killed it. Yeah. Oh, you're so right, though, Hibba. I didn't even think about the fact that it probably took a good 30 to an hour to get all of those face tattoos on Pete just for him to have, like, less than five seconds of airtime. That is SNL, babies. I will very quickly say that I thought the men's room sketch, which was written by Bowen and Chris Red, it had a good concept. My only note is that I really feel like Tracy Morgan flopped the ending because he kind of just exclaimed something and then the boys like didn't know what to do. But that was like an interesting sketch. It with some tightening. It could have been intriguing, but it was interesting. Yeah, I, w- I was curious about this one um, because I thought that it would have fit better in like the toxic masculinity series of sketches that was mm. in the Jason Sudeikis episode. So I was wondering if like they had brainstormed this sketch for that 
show and then just kind of like ran out of places to put it um i do think chris red and bowen make like a good combination like i think if you know the each of their styles personally they don't always seem to mesh together but i feel like they did well um together in that sketch i agree with you that it could have used some tightening also i feel like it's like very like non-cool to say this in the snl world but like tracy morgan's not my favorite like i just don't love him like i just his comedy just confuses me sometimes so like when he shows up people always clap because he's like basically a legend and also like he almost died from an accident or something Mm -hmm. like two years ago um but yeah i'm just like what is he doing here like every time i see him show up to an snl skate so i feel like that also like they got so close and then the end i was just like okay well that was interesting Mm -hmm. yeah it's very interesting because i also do not exactly understand tracy morgan's place in the comedy world today To Mm -hmm. the point where I literally went on YouTube yesterday and I watched a very, very old segment of Tracy Morgan on Conan's old, old talk show. Because I was just kind of like, what is it about this man that I'm not understanding? And what I'm kind of gathering is that Tracy Morgan was a very big deal in his youth. He was like considered a young, like exciting writer, comedian type on SNL. He does 30 Rock where he plays like a very cool up and coming guy. Yeah. I would say the P. Davidson of 30 Rock. Oh, interesting. But he is so old now that his timing is off. His jokes are like borderline offensive. Yeah. Nothing about him appeals to an audience of today. And I think my issue with this cameo is that it was so unnecessary that I wish they had given it to another cast member, frankly. Yeah. I feel like also I get confused when people make cameos and we don't understand why, right? Like... If it's a celebrity that, like, is friends with the host, that makes sense, right? So, like, um, we're like, okay, we get it. They were here together. But when it's just, like, a random person, I'm just like, oh, did he just decide to stop by the studio and ask them to put him in a sketch? Like, it just makes everything confusing. Mm -hmm. Probably, honestly. But something not confusing is we can update. And I want to jump there real quickly. First off... If you haven't checked out the Cut for Times, there's a really like actually endearing Cut for Time starring Kyle Mooney this week from Weekend Update where he plays a guy named Brandon. And it's actually very cute and very sweet and I really enjoy it. But the thing I wanted to talk about today was Cecily's portrayal of the clown. I'm going to call her the abortion clown. I guess my question for you, Hibba, is do you think that this segment was effective? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... I will say that major props to Cecily for being willing to come forward and share her own abortion story. I think um, the the general like discourse around this topic is that many, many women like go through abortions and have their own stories, but because it's a taboo topic, like people don't talk about it. And then one day, like you end up talking about it with a group of friends and it turns out everybody has a story about it. Right. And so um, I think it was effective in the way of like, okay, you have a platform and you use comedy to talk about an important issue, right? I feel like they haven't been doing that much political content besides the cold opens. Mm-hmm. And so this, I mean, 
unfortunately abortion access is like a problem that we continually are facing in the world right and like specifically in the u.s with like texas passing their like six-week abortion law recently and all of that kind of stuff um but it just felt like this sketch was more of the type of comedy that we would have seen last year the year before kind of like during the height of like all the anti-trump political comedy so i was a little bit caught off guard just because they hadn't done this kind of thing in a while so it did take me a a second to be like oh she's like talking about herself which i think Mm -hmm. is the point of i think they were trying to get everybody to get to come to that moment right and then at the end it was like very obvious um but yeah i think she did really well and i'll say i don't think colin always handles the guests that well but i feel like he did well on this one Mm -hmm. what did you think yeah that's completely true i think for me the only takeaway i have is that you know cecily was someone that we thought was going to leave snl last year she was someone who had this big janine puro farewell we were kind of ready Mm -hmm. to send her off And I sometimes think about how devastating it would have been for her to leave because if so, we would not have gotten this abortion clown piece. It's making people cry on the internet. It's making people think of Tina Fey coming on Weekend Update to talk about Charlottesville, which frankly, I did not think was as powerful as this. But Mm -hmm. it... This was a piece that made me so much happier that Cecily is here because she has not only gotten another life and another reason to kind of like use her platform for good but also there are like so many things that she is capable of doing and of course i want to see her showcase all of her potential before she leaves whenever that may be yeah i think also it's interesting because she has the clout that you need and the respect to be able to like pitch this and probably like get it approved more easily than somebody who might have been a junior cast member um like i think as much as snl encourages creativity and like hires people for their different voices and stuff like i think when a very senior cast member is like hey look i gotta talk to y'all about an issue like we already know and love her and have this like personal relationship with her so i think that make that even deepens her message when she's like y'all really gotta listen this is serious right mm-hmm. yeah and so with that i am now turning the page to my ed sheeran hate rant if you don't want to hear it feel <laughs> free to fast forward to our rankings but here we go Basically, I hate Ed Sheeran as a musical artist. Um, When he first hit the scene with the A-Team and Drunk, he was, like, considered original and, like, one of the first, like, singer-songwriters of his generation. However, that was literally 2013. I remember hearing Bad Habits, his first single off his new album, Equals, on the radio. And I was like, oh, who's this problematic white rapper and that's when I found out it was Ed Sheeran and I was honestly almost upset because anyone could have sang that song and that is my reason why Ed Sheeran I think was a horrible musical guest the first thing is the song that he sang up first was Shivers and that song could have literally been a Shawn Mendes song a Niall Horan song there are so many guys let me be clear there are so many white guys with 
guitars nowadays who like really watched Ed Sheeran. He created the blueprint, but now they are better than him. They are overthrowing the king on his throne. And so therefore Ed Sheeran, his sound, his voice, his songwriting is just not original. I do not want to hear another album from him about math. If so, make it like square root or something. But my other thing too is that Ed Sheeran, two weeks ago, tested positive for COVID-19. Oh my God, yeah. Hours after he was announced as the musical guest. We know about this. It's funny because he was like, he went on Howard Stern and he was like, I, there was no question. Of course I would come on. There's no need for replacements. And I was like, okay, let's, let's step back because my hot take on Ed Sheeran as a celebrity is that he is very cocky to me. And my best proof of this is his recent chicken shop date appearance on YouTube. He was looking straight to camera. He's extremely media trained. He, like, randomly performed a song when no one asked him to. Like, that is his thing. To me, Ed Sheeran and The Weeknd, another, like, SNL person, have a very similar marketing strategy. Their goal is to make as many, like, compatible songs with radio. Their lyrics are now so tame, especially when you think of, like, The Weeknd. He literally wrote a song about doing coke in the hills, and now he's making, like, hacky 80s bops. That is why... That on top of Ed Sheeran testing positive for COVID and also not specifying if he's vaccinated or not. Those are the reasons why this was a flop performance. I hope he enjoyed his last musical guest performance. Also, none of this is really relevant because he will literally always be richer than me no matter how hard (laughs) I try. Okay, first of all, I really enjoyed that rant. I I only recently found out that Candace um, is a huge Ed Sheeran hater and Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's on brand for her so I love to see it I agree with everything you said the thing that doesn't sit right with me about Ed Sheeran is that he's been famous for almost a decade right like you said Mm -hmm. like since 2013 and extremely media trained like so successful like very mainstream but people still treat him as if he's like this up-and-coming star Mm -hmm. I think my hypothesis is because he like never really dressed better than how he used to dress so he's still like Mm -hmm. like a jeans t-shirt sneakers guy and like he still like pretends to like slide under the radar like I feel like somehow the charm of like an up-and-coming artist that you're supposed to like lose right as you get more famous and like polished like people still attribute that to him um and it's just confusing to me like like how are we still admiring the same guy after all of like the success and fame and thinking like oh my god it's Ed Sheeran like he's new like um but yeah I agree with you about like the songs the kind of songs that he writes like um anybody that like is a white guy with a guitar could sing them um I also was very upset with like the no explanation about the COVID thing like I feel like especially since like okay fine have him on it's possible if he was vaccinated that like maybe his case wasn't that severe and maybe he like was able to like heal and like get retested and test negative in that two-week span that they had off but SNL didn't say anything about it and the fact that they've been so careful and like so like 
publicly like trying to deliver public health messages about being safe and vaccinations and like how there was literally a skit about covid in every single episode last season and then they Mm -hmm. come on and do this i'm just like what is going on like why are we making exceptions for certain people right um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think just like he is the type of person that you would make exceptions for like that doesn't reconcile with people still treating him as like an underdog and Mm -hmm. so it just like leaves me like okay like what is the real Ed Sheeran and like how come his public image isn't catching up with like all of his fame um I do wonder what would have happened if he had just like pursued the songwriter because career right because he does like write a lot of songs for people and like collab with other people um I think his voice is like okay right but like I just feel like it's like an Antirian phenomenon right like are we gonna feel this way in like 10 more years when we he will have been famous for 20 years like I just don't get it like there's something missing from the picture from the way that like he shows up in the world but also in the way that SNL handled the covid fiasco yeah i actually think that's a very good analysis i think the root of my frustration with ed sheeran is that he is a famous person who expects people to know he's famous when it's convenient i.e brushing off the covid19 thing yeah uh showing up to places and being like it's me ed sheeran want me to sing and yet he looks like a boy dresses like a child behaves like a scoundrel it's so annoying so (laughs) the hair can we do something about a it? scoundrel i was also gonna add that i'm currently watching game of thrones for the first time i know i'm very very late um but ed sheeran makes an a- appearance in one of the episodes in the later mm-hmm. seasons and i feel like that's such a perfect illustration of like we built this like amazing world and like we have all of these amazing cast members and like game of thrones is so coveted and there are literally like none if close to no other guest stars and then it's like randomly ed sheeran is there Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like you get the sense that he just like asks for favors and gets them but like why no yeah he's a big he's a big he's a big like email just for the hell of it claims he thinks nothing's gonna happen but does expect to get a little reply in return jesus yeah anyway on to other people that i don't hate um, I did want to just say that this episode had a lot of Cecily, a lot of Keenan, a good dose of Bowen, no Kate, no Aristotle or King. And during goodbyes, I personally felt like the cast looked extremely small on stage. And I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if it was because some people weren't there or just because like it wasn't packed with guest stars like it has been for like a few weeks. But yeah, I do think it's time for us to rank this episode. Hibba, you go first. What is your rating of this week's episode? Okay, so I'm going to rate this week's episode a 6 out of 10 floating spectrum heads. I think that's probably the lowest rating that I've given in a while. I think, like you said, the cast that was there did a pretty solid job. Um, But Kieran didn't really bring it. Like, I feel like the only memorable moment in the episode was at the very end and during the closing where the cast members lifted him up so that he could relive a moment that he had when his brother hosted and that was like 
cute and endearing but like I knew nothing about him going into the episode and I walked away from the episode having learned zero things about him so yeah I really felt like it was just sort of blah um and he didn't deliver that well that being said um as always Ego is amazing like you said lots of Cecily lots of Bowen so I enjoyed those folks what do you you think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so for me I am going to rank this episode 5.9 out of 10 uppies because I also liked when Chris and Keenan lifted Kieran on on their shoulders. I thought that was really cute. For me, this episode was better than Owen Wilson, but not as good as Rami Malik. And I think what I really gathered from this is that Kieran, to me, does not seem very confident. And I think that nervousness works for Roman Roy on Succession. But I honestly feel like in this space and probably just in the space he exists in he has kind of just been overshadowed by the legacy of his last name and I understand that he is just like and he's just an actor trying to work and trying to personify other characters but SNL is a moment where you are allowed to like bring more of yourself for like an hour you're allowed to basically you could if you wanted to write nine sketches that are about your personal life if you really wanted to like him but he did not exactly bring it I will say I did like his like spectrum sketch performance just because he was basically on camera for the entire time but overall even though I like Kieran I am actually less interested in him now as a person following this episode but I think we did come to the conclusion that him stepping back gives a lot more space for Cecily and Keenan and Bowen and like that stuff makes me happy and Ego of course that stuff makes me happy now that I think about it I feel like more people are talking about Dionne Warwick than Kieran Culkin in this episode yeah I absolutely agree with you I feel like this episode is kind of like when you're very excited to go on a first date and you go and it's like just kind of meh but then afterwards you like go and reconnect with some of your best friends and that ends up being the highlight of your weekend Mm, and then it gets even worse because like ed sheeran pops up at the restaurant and he's like hey guys i'm gonna like sing some classics and you're like mute please don't yeah and then you (laughs) leave the restaurant yeah (laughs) that's 100 percent how i feel that was a very good description but with that said next week It's kind of exciting. It's Jonathan Majors hosting with the one and only Taylor Swift. I'm a Swifty. I will have things to say about all too well, parentheses, 10 minute version and parentheses. But until then, thanks so much for listening. And thank you so much, Hibba, for being here with me. It's been my pleasure as always. See y'all next week. Bye, guys.